Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Good morning, this is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. It's where the shapers of business meet the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. I'm really pleased to say that my guest today is Merritt Bear, the co-founder of Today Ticks, a global ticketing platform aiming to make theatre more accessible for everyone. Merritt and his co-founder Brian Fenty met as 12-year-olds at an upstate New York theatre camp. Fast forward a few years and a degree in drama and economics at Stanford led Merritt to start Bear Productions, a theatre company where he became one of the youngest producers in history to win a Tony Award. Well, that is impressive. Brian and Merritt reconnected many years later and were inspired, Merritt says, by the new great mobile companies popping up in industries all around as transport, food, delivery, hotels. But they saw a real gap, he said, in the world of theatre and the arts. Todaytix was launched in New York City in 2013 and quickly established itself as a disruptor, changing the way audiences consume and connect with culture. And it's now operating in 15 cities with 5 million plus users and over 1,300 theatre partners. Not bad. We'll be chatting to Merritt very shortly about all of this and whether he's meeting his aim to reach the next generation of arts and culture lovers. We've also got brilliant music from Lonnie Liston-Smith, Hank Mobley and Kamazi Washington. That is today's Jazz Shapers. Don't go anywhere. Here's Ibrahim Malouf with Essentia. was Ibrahim Milouf with Essential. This is Jazz Shapers. I'm Elliot Moss. And Merritt Bear, more importantly, is the main event today, the centre of the of the play, the man himself. <laughs> I'm going to see some other ridiculous theatrical uh, references. Hello, how well, are you? Well, thanks so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. You're American. I am American. You're in London. I am in London. Um, how does it feel to be in charge of a startup in London when you're an American right now? I think it's it's been a really great ride. You know, I, me and my co-founder created Today Ticks in early 2013. I spent the first five years leading the company out of New York. We launched Today Ticks London about four and a half years ago. So we had a great but small team over here. I moved over here about a little over two years ago now. And it's been a really amazing ride ever since. Do you like being from over there here? Because I've got this theory about people that see the world through different eyes. Your your childhood was an American childhood. Your was. university was an American university. The stuff in your head is different to the stuff in mine. It is. I think, and it's not just an age thing. Obviously, I think there are pluses and minuses. He's very I think young. it's well, thank quite, you. Quite young. It's all relative. Um, I think there are pluses and minuses in that. I think I have a much more global perspective, and I think um, living in the UK for over five years of my life in total now has given me a lot more perspective to be both critical and proud of various aspects of American life and American culture and American upbringing that I don't think I, I certainly don't think I would have had had I only lived in America. I think I've always been very lucky. Um, my family has instilled kind of values around travel and having a global perspective. But I think living in the UK, which obviously has a lot of similarities to America, but also has some very stark differences in 
culture and upbringing and ideology that I think have given me a much broader perspective from living here. The perspective word is interesting to me too, because not only is there the American thing, there's the you've been an actor thing, you've been a producer thing, you've worked in a startup thing, you're running your own startup now. Tell me a bit about how you ensure that you retain perspective in a highly funded business, uh, now global. What is it that you ensure keeps you on the straight and narrow that ensures that you make good decisions every day? I think that's a great question. I think um, one of the things I've learned from the various phases of my life, whether it be university or when I first graduated, I was an investment banker for a while, and so the world of finance, corporate finance, and then the startup world, producing and creating my own startup, is surround yourself with great people. Um, and it can't just be people who all think like you. I think there's some value in that, but I think it's also um, having great people with amazing experience in the same field and different fields because just like theater, the real great work is done in collaboration. Um, and the spark, um, whether it's an actor and a director in a room together or whether it's two colleagues at a startup, it's about taking your collective experiences and their collective experiences and hopefully melding the two and creating something better than either the one of you could have done on your own. It is a global business. Just tell me a little bit about why you created this thing in your own words. And I know it's sometimes when I ask people this question, they, they kind of revert back to the, well, the thing is, but the truth, was it a moment or was it a building thing about, hold on a minute, I love that world. That's the world I've come from, it's theatre. I know there's a digital answer to this link. Was it, was it based on that or was it based on this is going to make lots of money? I think it was based on having spent a lot of time as teenager, high school student, uni student, going to Broadway, not being able to afford kind of great seats um, or even decent seats. And so waking up early and waiting outside of theaters from 6 a.m. to get student rush seats or going to Times Square to the half-price booth and, and waiting for an hour in Times Square in the heat or the sun or the rain or the snow, whatever, to get well-priced tickets. As well as the fact that I had you know, produced a, a few Broadway shows at that point, produced a little in the West End, and had some experience in tech and ticketing, and just thought there's got to be a better way than this. I think we were, you know, my co-founder and I were inspired by the Ubers, the Airbnbs, the Seamless and Deliveroo, Open Table, Hotel Tonight, and we were just like, why is there nothing like this in our industry? Um, and so we asked everyone, we, is, that, is anyone doing anything like this? And no, no, why would anyone do anything like that? And quite frankly... Broadway, the theater owners and major ticketing people had all been in the business for decades and decades. And so literally didn't have, some multiple of them didn't have even have iPhones at the time. And I thought, we are these 20-somethings who do so much transacting on our phones, and yet our industry seemingly just doesn't care about it and isn't evolving in that way. And if they're not going to do it, then we will. There's a combination in what you just said around the passion and that as you were talking about the queuing and the getting up at 6 a.m., I can see you doing Literally. that. Literally. I can tell you the shows yeah. that I like woke up at the crack of dawn and like hauled my butt up to Times Square um, to but, do but just that. There's the, there's the visceral sheer excitement, right, and, and anticipation and the kid doing that. How do you ensure you capture that feeling of enthusiasm of, wow, what's going to happen? What am I, what's gonna, how am I going to be entertained in the context of a digital experience? And I know we're only talking about buying the ticket, not the show itself, of course, but has that question rumbled around in your head? So word of mouth is generally the single best marketing tool for a show. Um, having a great show and people talking about it sells more tickets. And we've spent a lot of time thinking about what is digital word of mouth and how can we explain and get people excited in the way that we might be excited. And we have a very passionate team 
the vast majority in New York, a good chunk in London, some in Australia, um, who are passionate and excited about theater, but also experts in their own fields. And I think that we've spent a lot of time thinking about what is the best way to connect with the next generation of culture lovers, as you said. Um, what are the way that 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds receive information? How are we marketed to? And what are theaters and productions just not doing? And how do we connect with people who either haven't ever seen a show before or the only time they ever saw a show was a panto with their parents four years ago? How do we get them excited about the Book of Mormon or Moulin Rouge or Dear Evan Hansen or Harry Potter? There's a ton of incredible theater for, and there's something for everyone. One of the things we talk about a lot is no one in the world says, I don't like movies. I don't know anyone who's ever said to me, I don't love movies. They might say, I don't like horror. They might say, I don't like Westerns. Um, they might say, I don't like really dramatic things, but no one says, I don't like movies. There seem to be a lot of people who actually say, I don't like theater. And I think there's an education piece that we think is really important to us. That is, it's not that you probably don't like theater. It's maybe you didn't like that big brassy musical, or maybe you didn't like that little black box play, but there's definitely something for you in theater. And as a culture lover, maybe it's the costumes. Maybe maybe if you're into fashion, costumes are your way in. Or maybe if you're someone interested in proctization of things or its design elements. Or maybe it's storytelling or maybe it's the singing. Um, but there's something in theater for everyone. And I think that it's our goal to make sure that that young culture lovers and you know millennials are aware of what's in the theater world for them. Stay with me for more from my guest, Merritt Bay. He'll be back in a couple of minutes. But first, we're going to hear from one of our partners at Mishkondorea with some words of advice for your business. Hello, I'm Joe Hancock, head of cyber for Mishkondorea. Cybercrime is a major issue in the UK at the moment. You're more likely to be a victim of cybercrime than you are to be a physical crime. It's an issue that affects all of us both in our personal lives and our professional lives. We see more and more about it in news headlines every day. So how do these cyber attacks happen? Are these actually done by some person wearing a hoodie sat behind a computer somewhere? Does a green skull and crossbones appear flashing on the screen when someone carries out a successful cyber attack? Do you hear the sound of money disappearing from your bank account? Unfortunately, none of these things happen. A successful cyber attack really shows no signs. So what do you do if you think you've been a victim of a cyber attack at home? There's some really good advice actually from Action Fraud, which is to take five and tell two. Take five minutes to think about what's happened. Is this something that's too good to be true? Most cyber attacks delivered towards people rely on pressure. They want you to do something quickly. They really don't want you to think. So just think, is this actually your bank calling you to say that someone's deposited a large amount of money in your account that you can access? Is this really Microsoft ringing you to say there's a problem with your computer and they need to access it remotely? These things sound unbelievable now, but with some high-pressure techniques behind them are unfortunately very successful. So what do you need to do in these circumstances? As I've said, first of all, think. If you're not sure, take some time. Take some time to tell someone and get external advice. This applies as much in our business lives as it does in our personal lives. If you receive an email at work with a suspect attachment, something like an invoice or a random PDF document that you don't recognise, again, speak to a colleague and take some time to think about it. So we work with clients every day to deal with these issues, to help them protect themselves and identify when these problems have happened. If in doubt, it's always best to seek the advice of an expert or external party. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business. 
but it's personal. There are loads of former Jazz Shapers for you to enjoy, and of course you can hear this programme again with Merit by asking Alexa, a very kind person, to play Jazz Shapers. And there you can hear many of my recent guests. Or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, you'll find the full archive there, ready and willing for you to listen to. But back to today, it's Merit Bear. He's the co-founder of Todaytix, a global ticketing platform democratising theatre. That must have taken a lot of workshop hours. I love it when people come up with the pithy seven-word summary. It it takes a lot of time, actually, to it be does. concise about yeah. what you're trying to do. Because I think when you start a company, you, <laughs> you joke, you want to dominate the world, but you, you want to create something meaningful for people. And you want to find a way to, in our case, make theater going more convenient, more affordable, easier. And quite frankly, before Today Ticks was founded, buying a theater ticket is kind of a annoying, complicated process. And if you went online to check out on, you know, I'm not going to name the other websites, it would be dozens of clicks and really slow and frustrating. And I would talk to producers who literally had never bought a ticket for their own show by going through the normal channel. And when they did, they realized, oh, gosh, I don't wonder if I'm putting all of our customers, everyone who wants to see XYZ play um, through that process, no wonder uh, it's so challenging to sell a ticket sometimes. So, so I think. So let's talk about that first thing. So you you mentioned collaboration, and you mentioned obviously we know you're a, a, an award winning producer, not just a producer. Tell me a little yeah. bit. And you said very early on, one of the first questions I asked you talked about surrounding yourself with great people. Yep. Those early days, as you did uh, put the team together, and you got the little matrix of this and that. Was the conversation around how we're going to make this easy? Of course, you've got your big vision, which we've just talked about, and culture and thing, and that's brilliant. But now we're getting into the real meat of it. How did you decide what that experience online ought to look like? How did you operationalize that great idea of democratizing theater? So version one was mostly Brian and I sitting around and drawing out what we thought um, a really seamless couple clicks. Our our original idea was you've got to be able to buy a ticket in 30 seconds or less. Um, And that was always really important to us from the very beginning is if... The various other channels by, at the time, only Broadway, was we launched only in New York, were tedious and lots of clicks and slow and challenging um, and somewhat confusing. You had to be able to choose a show, choose your tickets, and check out in 30 seconds or less. And it's something that's always defined us. We've always been very design-led. We've always been really focused on great UX and UI. Um, and wanting to make sure that buying a theater ticket should be as easy as buying anything else online. And I think we were very inspired, again, by these other great mobile companies who had spent time and millions and millions of dollars or pounds creating fantastic user experiences. And I think that was the core of what we wanted to do. And that minimum viable product at the beginning, Mm -hmm. is it close? (laughs) (laughs) Very Many years ago, probably last week's version. How close to it are you now? Are those fundamental principles of design and the 30-second thing, are they still there? So we've grown up a lot in the last six years. And I think our design has evolved... Um, for the better, due to amazing design team, great product team, and great editing from all of our executives. But in essence, it's almost the same app that launched on day one. Sure, there's a ton more bells and whistles. Sure, it's sleeker. Sure, it moves better. But conceptually, there was an app. You'd open it. You saw a list of shows. You click on the show, get some information, click on what seats you wanted, check out, and you're done. So so this will, you're making it sound easy, and I know it's not because it's six years <laughs> it's of not. hard. It's not. It's hard graft. When the complexity kicks in, mm-hmm. how do you handle it? How have you handled it and how do you handle it on an ongoing basis? Because there must be tons. I look from the outside, I go, today ticks, that seems pretty straightforward. I go online, I buy my ticket, I choose my thing, go. What really the goes on? The thing is the editing. It's, um, and what do, what do you mean by that? 
no matter how complex the problem, and some problems are very complex, and they may seem like, oh, buying a theater ticket couldn't be that hard, but there's some pieces of the, whether it be the checkout flow or how we market things or um, a lot, we have a great, a lot of great initiatives for lotteries or rushes, which are um, day seats uh, here in the West End to have great, great prices on, I think, nearly a third or half the West End at the moment for seats on the day. And there's a lot of tech work behind those to make those as smooth and seamless as they are in the final experience we deliver to our customers. And it takes a lot of work from highly accomplished engineers, product um, managers and designers and graphic designers to to make it as seamless and easy as it is when you get to it as a consumer. I've always said that there's a lot of sweating that goes on behind closed doors to make it seem as simple and easy as it is when you do it as a consumer. It's a good recipe for marriage too. <laughs> uh, stay with me for much more from my business chef. That's Merritt Bear. Um, he's the co-founder of Today Ticks. Time for some more music right now. It's Hank Mobley with Split Feelings. <laughs> with Split Feelings, which is really good. Thank you, Stuart. Stuart's producer here at Jazz Shapers. Now he's going red. Uh, Merritt Bear's my business shaper. He's co-founder of Today Ticks. We've been talking about um, the app, the incredible app uh, that enables you in sometimes under 10 seconds to get these tickets, which I will absolutely be trying out. In terms of your leadership style, Merritt, yeah, you are obviously, um, and we've already just met, you seem to be an outgoing kind of person. You have a theatrical background, but obviously a business person at heart. I can see that immediately. What would your team say about you in terms of the way that you run the show? This show, not the last show where you won loads of awards. Although you have won lots of awards for this business as well, by the way. That's a great question. Um, as soon as they are in the room with us, just to be clear, there's a, there's a couple of fantastic um, team members here. There's Sabina and there's Stephen looking after marketing, PR and other clever things. But, but, but seriously, pretend they're not in the room and imagine that they're in a the room talking about you. What are they going to say? I think they would say that I'm really passionate about both high level and the details. Um, I once saw a great ad. I think it was, I want to say it was a Mercedes ad. And the tagline was, because everything matters. And I really take that to heart. I think that everything from the size or color of a button on the app to the marketing we do all over the place to the partnerships and I think how we work with shows, it all matters because it all has to be flawless to consumers. And in 2020, when you have competition from every corner of the world for what you're going to do on a Thursday night or a Saturday night, whether that is Netflix or whether that is going to a bar with your mates or whether that is going to theater, we're actually competing with all of those things. What are you going to do with your time? And I think we've got to be at the very best of our game if we're going to convince you that spending your time with us is what was worthwhile. So everything matters. I get that. Let's talk about one other element externally. Um, you've recently been on a fundraise. This Nine, nine, ten months ago, around May. Seven, May of 19, $73 million was raised in the last round. You've had funders before. Sounds like a lot of money to me. How, When they looked in your eyes, what do you think they were buying? Because I get what your team might buy from you. What, are, what were they buying? I think it's the passion and vision for what Tix is today and what it could be. And I think that the kind of global aspirations that we've had about creating a truly unique um, mobile-first experience to sell tickets in the arts 
um, is something that no one's really attempted before. Um, I think that there are certainly people who sell tickets in a single market or people who sell tickets more broadly. Um, but creating something in the world of theater and the arts is something very unique to Today Ticks. Uh, it's why we're in, you know, 15 plus markets and always thinking about growth. And I think that they were excited by the road that uh, my co-founder Brian uh, and I laid out of what we wanted to do. And it's really fantastic to find investors who believe in your vision as much as you do. I think what I, the thing that I'm thinking about if I was in your shoes, I'm kind of going, so he obviously understands the tech. He's really passionate over there about theater. But the actual magnitude of the task to go in and assimilate yourself into a market, to understand the ecosystem here in London, which is going to be different to Broadway, which will be different to Spain, to Portugal, to Singapore, to wherever it is, or Mumbai. How do you do that bit? How do you actually get granular on the ground and then connect it back up to the to the app? Yeah, I think there's very big differences in the markets we work in. Um, and I think it's why we have hired the best and brightest in, in a lot of those markets to help us figure out the path and how Todaytics can and should be different in each market. Todaytics in London is a little bit different than Todaytics in New York or Todaytics in San Francisco or Todaytics in Toronto or Australia. And there are different market dynamics. Um, there are different competitors. There are different product in terms of what shows are playing and what a consumer would want from an app that sells theater tickets. We've talked about a lot internally of Today Ticks is obviously has one vision um, and one mission and belief. However, it needs to lean in a little bit in each market to what that vision looks like um, within the confines of the market itself. And I think the team we've hired over here in London is incredible. And I quite frankly love working with them all on a daily basis. And I'm kind of proud to be one of their colleagues because they're all so darn good at their jobs. Stay with me for my final chat with Merritt Bear. He's my business shaper today. Plus, we'll be playing a track from Kamazi Washington. That's in just a moment. Stay where you are. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Kamazi Washington with Cherokee, and I'm with Merritt Bear just for a few more minutes. He's my co-founder, not my co-founder, you're the co-founder of Tatatics, but he's my guest just for a few more minutes. We were talking about teams in different markets, and obviously what you've got to do, as you said, have a global vision, but then execution happens differently and appropriately in different places around the world. London is absolutely, as you've said in the past, the epicentre of culture, definitely across Europe, Mm -hmm. I I would guess, um, but maybe the world too. What have you been able to create here in this market that you think is powerful and that works for you, that's specific to the London market? You know, I think we've tried to work really closely with the shows to um, create compelling messages about why London has some of, if not the greatest theater in the world. Something we launched last year uh, as a campaign we call London Theater Week. It launches actually this year on February 24th through March 8th. And um, it's really about celebrating the best of theater in London and tickets at 15, 25, and 35 pounds um, for a huge assortment of shows, probably forty over 40 shows across the West End um, in London. Really an amazing opportunity to see some of the biggest stars, the best musicals, incredible plays, all at really, really great prices. 
And all you have to do is go to Today Ticks or look on your mobile app. Are these, exactly. the, are these the places you can find da- it? Download the app, download um, the app. check out todaytix.com or check out londontheaterweek.com. You're very lucky I let you do that, Mary. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you um, about, I talked before about the role you had to play in terms of the fundraising. And um, I'm interested about the money thing, not, not how much. <laughs> me <bad>. too. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Not so much the, the valuation because you're not going to tell me that anyway. But what does it mean to you as the guy who's been the drama student who's been the actor who's been the producer and you know one percent of the whole population of people in that world make any money you're now in a world which is potentially going to make some money and at some point one hopes you know if everything goes really well from your mouth to god's ears well but does it so so what does that make you feel is it is it uh, I, I think you know, I think we're all really proud of the work that we've done, um, but also knowing that the road ahead is probably just as steep, if not steeper, as the road we've come off of. Um, and I think that we're all really excited by the vision. I think it's it's not about slowing down. It's not about resting on our laurels. It's about how do we grow to ensure that more theater is seen by more people, um, that theater is more accessible than ever. And it's not about us taking a piece of the pie from others. It's actually about growing the pie. If we can bring more people to theater who've never seen theater before, or the last time they saw a show was not three years ago, then hopefully we actually inspire more theater going. And over time, I think that ultimately allows communities to be more fulfilled, for artists and creators to thrive. And I think ultimately, sure, the money is one piece of it, but I think what we've built and what our vision of building is really fulfilling. And five years from now, you'll be in every market that matters. I think that, yeah, I think it's about continuing our geographic expansion um, and then, as well, hopefully adding more value in each of the markets we're already in today. Good luck, Merritt. Thanks um, so much for been, your time. It's at, likewise, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Um, just before I let you go, though, I have to ask you, what is your song choice, sir, and why have you chosen it? Sure. So my song choice is You Can't Take That Away From Me um, by the Gershwins. I first really fell in love with the song when I was 18 years old. There was a concert in New York City for the renaming of the Al Hirschfeld Theater on Broadway. Um, and I lined up at, I think it was 6 in the morning, and I was actually first in line to, to get a ticket for that that evening's um, special performance. And um, one of the performers sang this song and blew me away, and I've loved it ever since. Our romance won't end on a sorrowful note, though by tomorrow you're gone. The song is ended, but as the songwriter wrote, the melody lingers on. They may take you from me, I'll miss your fond caress. But though they take you from me, I'll still possess the way you weigh your hair. That was They Can't Take That Away From Me from Jane Monheit and John Pizzarelli, the song choice of my business shaper today, Merritt Bear. Merritt talked about education and helping people understand just how fabulous and accessible theatre is. He talked about surrounding himself with great and different people, the power of diversity to bring things to life properly. And he talked about focusing on everything because, as he said, everything matters. That's it from me and Jazz Shapers. Have a super week. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoy that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishcon.com forward slash jazz shapers.